Welcome to the Breakthrough Zone, where lives are transformed one breakthrough at a time. Now, here's your host, internationally recognized coach and author, John Page Burton. Hey, well, it's great to be here on a Wednesday afternoon in the Breakthrough Zone. And today we have a very special guest. She's been with us on the show before. Uh, Diana Charbonneau is the development uh, coordinator for Impact of Southern Arizona, a nonprofit that's doing some amazing things in uh, the northern part of Pima County, which is, for those of you listening all around the country, that's in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, Diana sits on several nonprofit boards in Tucson, and she is very passionate a very passionate supporter, rather, of gender equity, financial education, and women's leadership. So she has done a lot of work in a short period of time in the Tucson community to establish herself as a leader and someone I certainly look up to. And so we want to welcome you back to the Breakthrough Zone, Diana. Glad to have you with us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. So you've had a busy day. Let's let's just jump in there. You've been, uh, I've seen pictures of you popping up. What have you been doing today? Uh, this morning, I was had the pleasure of being at the Pima County ECAP. That's their employee giving program. Uh, we were have a table there promoting what we do and bringing in. And then I got to meet with some of our sponsors, Desert Diamond. It's Hunger Action Month for us at Impact. So we are busy. And you're so passionate. You're just so passionate about the nonprofit. And you know, where does that come from? For people that you know are hearing this, you know, hearing about you, getting to know you for the first time, where does that come from? Why are you so passionate about it? You can do anything. You're super talented. Honestly, I never volunteered when I was younger. It wasn't until I went to college in Washington, D.C., where I was part of an organization that required volunteer work. And because of that, I got to lobby on Capitol Hill for literacy nonprofits. I got to read to children in low-income schools who didn't have books of their own. And it really ingrained just something that never left me. And when I came home from the East Coast, I kept moving at my East Coast pace and was able to get a lot accomplished and volunteerism has always been a part of that to me. So you start out, I mean, in the insurance industry, right? You were selling life insurance? I actually, when I came back, I was selling temporary tattoos. I worked there for six years uh, in sales and manufacturing. We have the world's largest manufacturer of temporary tattoos in Tucson. Wow. (laughs) So you start out temporary tattoos, then you moved into the insurance industry and then the nonprofit. The nonprofit was obviously pulling at your pulling at your heart. Definitely. I think it's interesting the progression because I never really would have thought I'd work in nonprofit if you'd asked me a decade ago. But it was a very natural progression after the investments that I've made in the community and being able to see the impact that can be made by these organizations. You're really passionate about women's leadership. And this is obviously women's leadership in the breakthrough zone. Last week, I had the privilege of having my wife on to talk about her experiences and her journey from a farm in Missouri all the way through, you know, into corporate America. My um, next week, we're going to have a city councilwoman on, and then we're going to have in two weeks, we're going to have the uh, CEO of the Marana Chamber here where we live, and Love she's going to be on. And yeah, she's amazing, and she. We're looking forward to. I'm looking forward to both these the guests, but. Why are you so passionate about gender equity? I think that's that's the first line I, I want to get down today because I know that's something that you're really, uh, really passionate about. And interestingly enough, it wasn't something that I ever paid too much attention to. I now have a three-year-old daughter, my little toddler, and it was right around that time about a year ago I was trying to find 
time for me. It was something that was mine, and that's when I came across AAUW Tucson. It's a national organization, but the branch here of the American Association of University Women, it's all about gender equity for women. And once I sat down and started seeing all of the inequities that stack up against women, it was uh, very easy for me to get passionate about it and take that on as a project, and I'm proud to be president for another year. Yeah, it's something that we hear so much. I know my wife talked last week on the show about, you know, the income disparity between, you know, between men and women in the workplace. And, you know, I know that that takes place. What are, what are some of your experiences with that personally? I mean, have you is that something you've you've come across quite a bit or is it? Well, luckily, I have always self-advocated for myself, but the numbers don't lie. Uh, women make less than men, and it is really a family problem. When you have a family, a man, a woman, a child, and you have inequity at that level, you'll never be able to be equal as as far as the pay gap goes. I have seen friends make 35000 to 50000 less than somebody doing the same job that's a male. And for women of color, it is even more staggering. Um, If you look at some of the data that comes out of the universities, graduating white males versus women of color, there is sometimes a twenty to fifty thousand dollar gap on the the highest side. So, the numbers don't lie. It's 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 really a problem. So, how is it, in your opinion? Because you know, last week my wife talked about the same thing on the show, and. And I know that comes up in conversations I have with my, I have a lot of female clients and it comes up all the time. We know it. It's in the media. I'm even seeing commercials now with the guy on one side and the woman on the other. And they go down the exact same resume. And at the end, he makes $40,000 more than she does. How is this continuing to happen? I mean, that would be the most logical question, right? It's a systemic problem. And I think a lot of it comes down to is we don't talk about things like salary negotiation, which is something that I do through AAUW. We don't talk about some of the things that we as women struggle with in the workforce, which I think we'll talk about a little down the line, such as when you have a baby, you're going to need more time off. If you are a single mom and your kid gets sick, you are going to be the one staying home with that child. So there's, it's, it's on a lot of different fronts, but it comes down to a systemic breakdown of we need to be Just teaching it to our kids at a younger age, because honestly, I don't know if it's going to get too much better for the other generations because they are so rooted in some of the things that we do. And a lot of that comes down to standardizations for jobs and roles. And we have been told as a as a society, don't ask what you don't ask anybody what they make. Right. And they keep it. They keep it hidden. Mm -hmm. It's always by accident. Like when my wife talked about finding that out. And I have another client that, that recently found out was it's staggering. When you think about you have a woman in a leadership position and a man in a leadership position. And in the case I'm thinking of now, there's a difference of $50,000, $50,000 is a lot of money. And how is it that we can determine that this, and I want to go back to your point because you and our guest in two weeks who just had it as a newborn who's out there, you know, the CEO of the Chamber of Commerce while she's, you know, leading that organization while she's basically, you know, slipping into an office to take care of the needs of her child. Right. So how how do how do we I mean, how do we even justify that? I guess that's that's the question I have. How do we even justify such a huge 
And why are women afraid to negotiate, to go to that table and say, this isn't right, this isn't fair? Well, to, for the first part, I think it's just been expected for so long that you know this is just the way things are. Salary negotiation, I wouldn't even say women are as afraid to. It's something we aren't taught in schools, okay. you know, especially as children. You can do anything that you want to, honey. Go out, be an astronaut, do all these things. But we do not talk about realistic things with our children, even at a young age as they were growing up. Talking about realistic jobs expectations, work ethic, planning for the future, for retirement. You know, any financial advisor or planner will tell you, you cannot start planning any sooner than soon. As soon as you can, that's when you should be planning. And we aren't taught that. As women, I've seen it happen. When you're applying for a job, a man will meet 50% of the qualifications, go through, apply for it, feel confident, and ask for more money and probably get it, whereas a woman will look at it and need to meet all of those qualifications before they feel they should apply for it, and they won't ask for as much as they should. Right. Wow. Wow. And and you really don't, in your opinion, as someone that is in that position, you, you really don't see this changing. Well, what would it take to change? Well, the things that we're doing. Yeah. So we do salary negotiation trainings for free through the University of Arizona, through AAUW in partnership. And I have personally learned so much. I have friends who have negotiated their salaries after learning that. And every time we finish, I have people say, why? Why is this something we haven't learned? Why isn't it? As a university educational system, why am I as a nonprofit organization taking something on such a small scale that should be a, a required course, honestly? Right. And it, it feeds into the reason why it continues on. It, it, there are, there's a reason things stay the same. Yeah, because... The people in power can keep it that way. They can keep it that way, right? But I am yeah. working to change that one person at a time. And that's what leadership's about. And that's why you're here, because you're a leader and you're somebody who is saying, okay, this is a problem. And mm-hmm. we can, you know, we talk about it on the show all the time. You, you, you can identify the problem. Okay, we have a problem. But are we going to spend time there? We've identified the product our problem. Now, 90 plus percent of our energy has to go into that solution. And so you're stepping up and doing that. Knowing it's an uphill battle, but you hit the nail on the head. It's one negotiation at a time. Mm-hmm. So every single person that you give, that you empower with those tools can truly make a difference. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's what we have to do as, as a society. When we have problems, we have to be able to just take those problems and we have to address it one person at a time. We can't, we can't think, oh, poof, we're going to run some ads or we're going to pass legislation, because I agree with you 100% as a male who's been privileged my entire life. I'm not going to pretend I haven't, right? You know, the rules of life have worked differently for me than they do uh, people of color, people, women of color. I can't even imagine, because when you start talking about women's leadership, there are just a lot of profiles that seem to be void, right? Oh, yes. I see these all the time, and I notice that. And my wife is very similar. She's someone who's very aware at a lot of different levels how this how this plays out so uh what role has mentoring played in your your career because i know you have been mentored and you mentor what what's that what's that role i really wish that we did a better job of telling young people to find a mentor or even what mentorship is because 
it is crucial as you're growing up. I think any parent knows your child isn't going to listen to you. You could tell them that a hundred times, but if they hear it from somebody that they look up to, yeah. that they admire, it yeah. will do a complete, what, what it should do, motivate them, inspire them. And so I, my first mentor, I didn't even realize she was my mentor. We worked together, but she, we wound up working together at several jobs down the line and I'll share this because I value her. She opened job opportunities to me. She has impacted thousands of lives in Tucson, and yet she is the hardest critic of herself. Mm-hmm. You know, which mm-hmm. I think women inherently are. You know, but yeah. I want to do so much more. But look at what you have done, and we need to be better about celebrating our wins yeah, than. Yeah ruminating on the one bad thing that happened. But uh, mentorship is so important. I'm very blessed to be part of the Emerging Leaders Council, which is our local mentorship program through the Tucson Metro Chamber. Mm -hmm. My mentor this year is the CEO of a very well-known company. He is one of the most philanthropic individuals in Tucson. And he has really changed the mindscape of my thinking towards the future and job pathways, um, especially for our young leaders. You know, his company pioneers in letting his employees go back to school, whether they leave or they come back. That's one of his big things is letting them go and increase their skill set, learn more, because who wants to know what they want to do when they grow up, right? Absolutely. (laughs) That's a great program too. And I'm honored to be a mentor uh, this year. I've done, I think, three, three different times. And it's always, it's always very fulfilling. The thing that I hear a lot from, from younger professionals is that it's difficult. There, There's not a lot of mentors out there, and they're having a hard time connecting with mentors. And, and I think that the people are out there. Like, I've always sought out mentors. I mean, if I see somebody that's doing something really cool, I go, hey, I want to know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I've never, I can't think of a single time where I picked up the phone or got a hold of somebody and said, hey, I wanted to take you to lunch and pick your brain. They said, no. No, it just doesn't happen, Right. But why is it, why do people seem to struggle in finding mentors? You know, obviously in Emerging Leaders Council, that program is designed for mentor, mentee. But somebody that's not in that program, why is this, why do you think it's so difficult? Is it? I think there's just a lack of awareness around mentorship in general. I, I remember coming across somebody and she said, I'd really like to meet XX and X and try to find this. I said, well, reach out to the CEO of this company. And her response was, well, they're not going to want to talk to me. They don't have time for me. And I think it is the mindset of, you know, when you're somebody like me who gets so involved in the community, you know, right. you're you're at a different level. You're out but there, yeah. any successful person yeah. got there with the help of other people. 100%. And I don't know 100%. one person who wouldn't be willing to sit down with somebody if they ask. And so I think it's a, the stigma yeah. that they're not going to have time for me or want to yeah. and really just asking. And so anybody listening to this, if there's right. anything you want to learn, a job. When I was going to get pregnant, I met with every female CEO in Tucson that right. had children. And yeah. I asked them, Absolutely. how did they do it? Was it possible? And advice. And here I am. <laughs> because you're proactive. And I think that's a big thing. I was at a networking event a couple months ago and a young man came up and we talked and everything. And he said, hey, is it okay if I give you a call, you know, set up a call with you, a Zoom call? I said, sure. So about a week later, sure enough, I get it. And we set it up and he just wanted to pick my brain. I had somebody last night on LinkedIn who, another young person, sent me a message. 
He's really interested in trying to figure some things out career-wise. He wants to be able to help other people in his age group navigate the career world. So he saw something about what I do on LinkedIn, and we're talking on the 23rd. We're doing a Zoom call. So it's a perfect example. If, if, if somebody comes to me, I feel that I have a responsibility, not an obligation. I have a responsibility because, to your point, I've had so many amazing people in my life that gave me, you know, gave me a lift up. Right. You talked a minute ago about, you know, you had um, a leads into a question I have here. You talked about um, this amazing woman who's been not only mentored you, but mentored thousands of people. And, you know, she's she's still like, you know, she still doesn't really it sounds like she's still hurt. She's her harshest critic. And mm-hmm. I, I was talking about this on a, on a, a seminar I was teaching Monday night. And we were talking about most of us would never talk to somebody else like I would never dare talk to you. The way that I talked to myself, mm-hmm. I had this like terrible mental health day Monday. It was just start off my week with just, I don't know where it came from. I'm still trying to process. I probably need to let it go. But God, I was just beating myself up mm-hmm. and I was just, ah, bah, bah, bah. Um, what are some of the key characteristics of outstanding female leaders that you follow? What, what, what do they look like? What's a profile? I said, some of the best leaders, female leaders you've seen, what are some of their key characteristics? Number one, I think, is servant leadership, which is something I really have strived to ingrain in the way that I lead. Being able to show, for example, I wouldn't ask you to do something that I haven't done, would do, or be willing to do. Um, Servant leadership being a good one. Um, Honestly, ambitious, passionate women who care and are supportive. Those Those are the most successful women in leadership that I see. As a new mom, I now have a different respect for parents. Yeah, <laughs> I sure, sure. have more patience for people being late. <laughs> I, uh, you know, right. things like that. And when you are a female leader, you have the ability to set that goal and expectation. Yes. For example, I I have a friend who her boss was a uh, really hard on them. You know, everything. No, it has to be this way, this way, this way. Well, she had a baby and realized, oh my gosh, I have not been fair to my employees reinstituted they put in a a nursing pod (laughs) in in there they had they changed their hr policies on pto time or maternity leave paternity leave and all these things and there is so much wrapped around that that i was just telling a young lady earlier i'm like if you know you want to plan to get pregnant sign up for short-term disability so that you can get some paid time off and these aren't things that people will tell you because if you get pregnant when you're at work and you didn't sign up for it well that's a pre-existing condition right you can't sign up for it why would you hold back an employee when you know they're going to struggle coming back trying to get back what is it three three weeks i think is the standard maternity leave for most women I can just tell you that's absurd. <laughs> it's 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 absolutely absurd, and and I think that anyone, any of the of the moms I know, career moms, I call them mom leaders, but any of those folks, I mean, you put you hit the nail on the head a second ago that you know until you're in that position, it's easy to pass judgment, it's easy to you know lay down the law, but the minute it happens to you, the minute you know you you're pregnant, all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a minute, you know, this isn't. I don't feel so good this morning. I, you know, so all of a sudden, you know, the rules change, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you go about again? This is that that messaging piece. How do you go about getting this message out to people that you know the realities of being a woman in the workplace? 
I think it really all comes down to talking about it, communication. So many of the things that happen, we keep to ourselves because a lot of it is personal, personal lives. You know, oh, I don't feel good or my kid was up all night. But I really think that the more that we share our personal stories, our experiences, our setbacks, that allows other women to identify that, see yeah. that representation and know that they can do it. Yeah. I I was on a Zoom call yesterday and... Uh, AEW has predominantly been older white women. Yeah. So I was on a Zoom call and they all popped on and they didn't realize that I was the president of AEW and they were waiting. They were still waiting for somebody who said, no, I'm I'm president of it. And they were like, oh, you know, and even just because I was a woman of color, not what they were expecting younger, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it affects on so many different it's levels. It's so stereotypical. I mean, it's like, oh, yeah. Where's the leader? The leader must be, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And then one of the girls who was in there, she messaged me after and she just said, I wanted to send you a note because I saw the way that all of those women ran. Yeah. I never would have thought that I could be a president of an organization like you are, but I'd love to learn more about how you got there. And right. it's just, it's that one person. At and a time. You never know how many people you can affect, even in just one so social media post right. where you are sharing something that you most people don't think that you'd go through. And right. It, social media has just been a detriment to uh, how people envision other people and then comparing themselves to it. You know, it's so true. And, and this is this is applicable to men and women, right? So like you and I, we're both social media active. We post the stuff, you know, we put it out there. And, and then it's like everybody goes, they judge their results by how many people. Like we don't know how many people are going to listen to this podcast. But here's the deal. If at the end of this po at the end of the day, one person goes, well, I didn't know you could do that at the U of A. I want to do that salary class you talked about. Or one person goes, I never gave a, a thought about signing up for benefits for pregnancy. Then we've helped somebody, right? Exactly. And it's so true. And what happens is people start, especially younger people. And I think we talked, last time we were on the show together, I think we talked about this, how people, especially young people, I mean, they're basing their self-worth on likes and comments. And mm -hmm. God, we know that. We'll put out stuff and go, this is great. And then we sit and we wait and we go, oh. And if we judged our, ourselves on that, we would never get anything done. Our self-esteem would be in the tank. And and so I think that, yeah, I, I would I, I think that, you know, this this whole thing about one person at a time, if we have one person, and I've had people, I get I, I'm fortunate because of what I do, I get those things almost every week. I get that message or that email that said, Hey, I read your article or, and wow, you said something here that really resonated. And then they'll tell me a story and I go, wow. And I had a call this morning, first client's morning in Europe and 25 years, she's been carrying something around with her for a long, long time. And we had a breakthrough this morning. It was as simple. I started asking a couple of questions and it opened things up and I got off that call and I felt like supercharged. The rest of my day was great because I realized that person just had a meaningful breakthrough. And that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. we, we're not going to change it. We can go out there and rah-rah all we want, and people will tune us out. It's action on the ground, and it's being, willing to, it's being willing to do things that other people won't or look at issues. That's why I really wanted to have this month be Women's Leadership Month on a Breakthrough Zone, because at least as a guy, I can do my part, right? <laughs> Hopefully, right? So as a working mother, what are your thoughts on work-life balance? 
I think work-life balance is a, a myth that is put out there to make people feel like they're working towards something. I call it the work-life balance beam. You know, you're always moving one way or the other, and you really are just trying to go with it mm-hmm. in whichever. I think moms, and there's definitely some dads out there, so I don't want to just say all moms, but um, for the most part, I've seen moms take on so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, it's the schedule. Like, I control everything that happens with my life, my kids, you know, everything. And so... Uh, right, you do. There's just so... <clears throat> there's just so much to keep going on. And as women, we just make it happen. And right, sometimes right. when we can't, we feel like we're failing when that's not true. Right. It's just we aren't keeping up at level 400%. Yeah. And that's why I think work-life balance is unfair, especially for social media. I have a lot of people who look at my social media and like, your life is perfect. I know. <laughs> but I know. We, we all face things. Like I, I have serious health issues yeah. that determine what I can and cannot do in a yes, week. Yes, I know that and I live within that, but it affects me. But I yeah. don't post about I do post about it on Facebook occasionally now to raise awareness uh-huh. because I've had people message me that said, I didn't know you're dealing with that. Can you tell me more? You know, I've yeah. been struggling with this and I've made friends because of that. It really all just comes down to us talking about our struggles yeah. because we all go through it, but we all try to put on a happy face at the end of the day. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think that's the best way to go about it. You know, one of the most uh, profound posts I've seen, and I was sharing this with a client this morning, was one you made about a year ago. And uh, you, you talked about, you know, people see me and they always ask, you know, God, I wished I had your figure. I wished I looked like you. I wished I could just, you know, keep the weight off like you do. And you're, you're doing that post. And then the picture is you with IVs in you. You're in a hospital gown and a hospital bed. And you're going, here's my reality. I have a condition, a situation that Sometimes I have to come in here because it's the only way I can get nutrition into my body. And that, for me, it stuck with me. I mean, it was powerful. I know you didn't set out to go, hey, I'm going to do a shock and awe post, right? You didn't do that. It was just from your heart. Because going back to that social media piece, again, we see, we all put out our good stuff. We all put, hey, look at us. We're in the mountains. Hey, you know, look at our perfect kid. Look at our perfect life. Hey, it's our perfect barbecue. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is we all have stuff going on. I mean, Monday was one of the worst mental health days I've had, and it carried into Tuesday. But I had to rally because I had to teach people and put on a positive face on Monday night. But I was having some challenges in my life, and I couldn't really put – I couldn't put it together. I couldn't put the pieces together as to why something set me off, but it just wouldn't go. And I this is what I do for a living. I help people do this. I can't even help myself that day, right? So I think we have to we have to show grace. And women have it so much – they do so much more. Like we got this fire table delivered yesterday, right? And it comes in a box. And so my wife comes into the office this morning and goes, don't worry about the fire table. I know you have the podcast and you have to come home and you have back-to-back-to-back client calls. Don't worry. I'll put the fire table together while you're on those calls. Now, my first thing is, cool. Then the second thing is, no, please wait. I'll help you. <laughs> and she's like, no, I've got this, Right. But I'm thinking women work so much harder. You have so much more that you're expected to do. You're expected to be super mom, super employer, super volunteer. What's left? And then and then to your point, so many people, so many women go, God, I feel like such a failure. Mm-hmm. You know? 
And it's so unfortunate because we do strive for that perfection for what we see or what we think is perfect. And I, I think, and I am guilty of this as well, but in the last six months, I really tried to hone down on, are you happy? Yeah. Are you getting your things done? Right. If so, it's okay. If the dishwasher isn't unloaded by the end of the night, that is okay. Yeah. Or is the kid laughing? Are you happy? Are you waking up feeling more energized than not? You know, it's... And that's why social media to me is so misleading because there are so many things. And it's perfectly okay to ask Josh to unload the dishwasher. Oh, definitely. Right. Well, he is so helpful. And I bet I'm he is. I can, I can tell he is, yeah. But even with my health issues, when I tell people, oh, they say, oh, my gosh, you're so skinny. I, I'm just like, I'm only skinny because I'm sick right now. And I can't tell you how often the response is, I wish I had what you had. And even though mm. I tell people, no, I really wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. They right always, now. without fail, will continue. Well, I would still take it. We've come into this society. Wow. We would rather be sick to be skinny yeah. and have that figure than you know it's there's a there's a breakdown in the mentality there and we we really need to help fix that as a society and if you're a parent and that's your mindset and you're passing that on to your daughter mm -hmm. that it's so important for you to be skinny and look a certain way that that daughter is going to it's going to do bad things. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's going to do bad things to herself. She may starve herself. She may I identify from a young age of, you know, this is what perfection looks like. This is what being cool looks like. This That's dangerous to me. That's really, you know, for somebody to say, you're telling them, look, I have an illness. I would not wish this on my worst enemies. And they're going, I know I'm not your worst enemy, but I want to be. Yeah. Wow. That's that's crazy. Mm -hmm. And I hear it so often yeah. that it's it's gotten a little easier for me to just kind of gloss past it. But I really encourage everyone to find that happiness. You know, yeah. when I asked my toddler, we were filling out her preschool thing. I said, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" She said, "I want to be happy." Thank and you. I I loved that. And then I went to my mentor, and he goes, "I like that." He's like, "But happy is a result." It's a result. And. Of meaningful action. Of, of you know, intentionally making yeah. things happen that make you happy. If yes. you're not happy in your job, yeah. then change something. Absolutely. Either leave it or go to your boss and tell them we all have the ability to improve the quality of our lives. Absolutely. Either by asking for help, and I know that's hard, uh -huh. but really we need to be better about reaching out and to let others help us to get to that point too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and asking asking for help. And that's so hard for for women. Oh yeah. For guys, I don't know if it's as hard. I mean, if I need I need a hand with something, I just call, hey, and come over and help me load something. I'll get a beer. You can have a beer or something, you know. <laughs> women they don't do that because they just feel they feel feel guilty, right? Do you find yourself sometimes feeling guilty? Well, I, I'm I'm more the person I don't want to inconvenience someone with someone I know I something I know I can get done eventually if I you know make it work. I'm a doer, but yes, I struggle with it all the time. Especially yeah. the child care thing is a very difficult one for me. And I, all of you single parents out there and people who struggle, I want to just pat you on the back and give you a hug because it is a real. <laughs> I mean, from babysitters canceling, your kids getting sick and needing to stay home. I mean, yeah. you never know what the day can hold. And I, I just have such a healthy respect for parents now. It's really interesting because your little one, so she's three and she says, I just want to be happy. And I just took on a 58-year-old client. And I said, what do you want to do when you grow up? 
first question I asked is, I just really want to be happy. Mm-hmm. I just want to have joy. We and forget I'm like, that. Wow, we forget that, right? Well, and we're told from a very early on, you know, you're gonna go to school and then you'll go to work and you'll do all these things, but we don't ever talk about be happy. Find a job that makes you happy. Be happy. If you don't like that career, yeah. you can change career paths. You know, right. things are changing now, and I am very hopeful. In 30 years, when my daughter is my age. Uh, I cringe a little at what it might look like out there, but I am hopeful. I am yeah. very hopeful that uh, we've fixed some of our broken systems, that we as a society can work together because there's things like recycling. Uh, we weren't recycling our glass for a while because it was up in Phoenix and then it got overflowed. So we were like, eh, we're just not going to recycle the glass anymore. Um, we have finite resources in this world. and. Yeah. That's just not the mentality that I hope yeah, <laughs> my yeah. our future generations have because I, I I the reason I tell my daughter I'd like her for her to be an astronaut or an engineer is because I know that our planet won't be here one day. Right, right. <laughs> but even even if that time comes and she goes, you know, I really don't want to be a an astronaut or an engineer. I just want to be a artist. I want to be a yeah. I was talking to somebody a while back and I can't remember who it was, but it was it was a coach and he had a client that. She was miserable. She was a lawyer, but she was just miserable. She hated her life. She hated every minute of law school. She hated it all as it, it, when it turned out. And the question is, why do you do this? Well, my mom was a lawyer. My dad was a lawyer. We're just lawyers. And it, it, when you dug a little bit deeper, found out that it wasn't really the expectation that they put on. It was one she did. Well, we're lawyers. Mm-hmm. This is what we do. And all she ever wanted to be was a fine artist. <laughs> she, that's what she wanted to go to school for. It's what mm-hmm. she wanted to be. But she became a lawyer and she was miserable. It didn't matter how much money she was making. She was miserable. And she was so miserable, she was hiring a coach to help her get out of her misery. Wow. Well, and the irony of, you know, people who don't have money always think, oh, if only I had money, it would fix all my problems. But if mm-hmm. you talk to anybody who has money, you know, it it doesn't fix your problems. If, if you aren't happy and you're not living a fulfilled life, all the money in the world isn't going to do anything for you. Yeah. And, and and that's something that I've really taken to heart too. I'm yeah. grateful I work at a nonprofit where we get to do fulfilling work every day. Right. Yeah. I I feel very blessed, but I see so much around me, so much need in our communities, crises happening. Yes. And yes. we all have to come together to do something about it. Well, and you know, the, go back to that money piece. My wife and I are very fortunate. We've done well. and But there are both of us fed times where, I mean, I've lived in my car and she was trying to figure out how to raise, feed two kids for two weeks on 25 bucks. I mean, you know, so we've been there. But the more money you have, the bigger the problems you have. And so you have to be, you know, people go, well, I want to make a lot more money. Okay, but you have to accept the fact that to do that, you're going to have to provide more value than everybody else. Mm-hmm. But you're also going to have bigger problems. I mean, so... You have to be willing. You can't go, well, I want to make all this money, but I don't want to have problems because you're going to have problems. There's a different devil at every level. Oh, yeah. So looking back on your uh, your young career so far, what advice would you give your uh, 25-year-old self? If you're looking back, you know, at least a decade, right, say in 2025, what would, what would, you, what would you tell yourself? I would say to live life to its fullest and not always worry about the path that that I just talked about. You know, we're so often pushed into the school, go to work that we don't get to have experiences. Mm-hmm. I encourage every young kid, if you are college level or under, study abroad. Leave this country. 
yeah, go yeah. experience other cultures, yeah, you will realize that the world is so much bigger than yeah. not just Tucson or Arizona, that there are other people, other ideologies out there. Yes. I took every religions class that there was at George Washington when I was there. It was very eye-opening. I went to a Thai Buddhist New Year's festival in D.C. that I became addicted to Thai iced tea, and I love eating Thai food. And <laughs> right. I don't adventure much, but I would have never experienced that right. if I hadn't. Right. So I just really go out of your bubble, find a mentor, and really have those experiences. When you're young, you can only do that for so long before you're at a job, and most jobs don't let you travel as much as you'd hope for. You know, sure. And, and it's all way overrated. <laughs> I see my wife do these one day, one day, and it becomes this like 24-hour travel thing for a two-hour meeting. I'm like, and nobody could do this on Zoom. No, it's important that they bond. Okay. Oh, yeah. So. And I think one of the biggest pieces, which I was thinking about earlier, is to surround yourself with people that you either want to be like want to be one day or yes. have something that you want to, you know, I, I really encourage you to realize how much your circle affects who you are as a person. Huge. And I, I just recently found myself being amongst a group of supportive, ambitious, diverse women. And I've never been amongst that really in my life. I've just never really, <laughs> and it's really changed my quality of life. Yes. Like I have a yes. girlfriends that I can call and talk to about X, Y, and Z. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, so important. I'm all about venting when you need to, but we get into this habit of talking about people and yeah. gossiping and all of these things that really don't have any positive effect. And I've seen it at some very high levels and even in CEO networks and yes. some women CEO networks. Yeah. And it shocks me that I go, no, I'm not going to deal with that when I get to that level. Oh, yeah. yes, you will. And honestly, sometimes it might be worse because then they their head is as big as their ego is. Right. And so I would just encourage you to be the positive person that others want to be around and you'll attract that back. Yeah, you got to get away from toxicity and it happens at every level. You know, it's not... It's not just the people sitting at the bar talking about stuff. No, it happens at the highest levels. Mm -hmm. And sadly, gossip and judgment and assumptions tend to rule the world. I mean, we have people, you probably have, you know, in your neighborhood, I have certainly have in mine, and we have in our circles where that we run in where people are always assuming and they're judging. But they never, they never ask any questions. They never mm -hmm. say, hey, I got a question. Yeah. No, they just start spreading it. You know, and pretty soon it's like, it just goes and it's so damaging. So when you're around people, and I love being around my circle's awesome because when my circle gets together, we're talking about ideas, we're talking about concepts, we're talking, we're not talking about people, we're talking about experiences. And that's the best, I think that's the best advice you can give anybody. Surround yourself with uplifting people. Surround yourself with people who want to talk about ideas. Gossip, gossip is to me, when you're gossiping and you're assuming and you're judging people, it's a really low form of intelligence, right? It just shows you. I can tell if somebody's always gossiping or, you know, did you hear about Joe, you know? <laughs> I always know that person's – it doesn't mean their IQ is not high. It just means that their intelligence level is really low because – and I don't want to be around those kind of people. So mm -hmm. final tip, final tip you would give um, someone who is graduating from the University of Arizona here. Go Cats. Um, 
that is looking to get into, you know, the nonprofit world, getting into some type of a leadership position, what would be the advice you would give them? Twofold, I'll start with, I would really reach out, go shadow, go into an organization, go learn from these executive directors, you know, don't just look for a job and go, I'm going to apply for that. Actually go in and say, oh, these are the skill sets that I really like. These are the people that I like to work with. Let me go see what a small business would be like versus a corporate business. Go sit with the CEOs, executive directors, find out. Because I can tell you, I know a lot of people who've gotten into nonprofit and realized that it was not for them. And I know a lot of people from corporate that went into nonprofit and wondered why they hadn't been doing that all their lives. Oh, yeah, yeah. And really, the second piece of advice I have for really anybody who's anybody is please plan for your future as yeah, as soon as you possibly can. I, I dated somebody who died in a car accident in my early 20s. He had a little girl and didn't have life insurance. And I watched them go fund and do that whole thing. And it was slightly traumatizing because it has carried forth. I changed my career. I went into finance. That's why I went into finance and insurance. And I can tell you, Sitting down with even my friends and family, people don't like to talk about planning. They don't want to talk about the future. And they're like, I'm not going to live that far. I'm going to die before I retire. Yeah. Okay, well, look around at all these people who are retired. It's not the case. And if you don't start planning now, your quality of life when you get there won't be what you want. And Social Security is not going to be what it is for us, what it is for some of the people we have now. So I just really encourage you to plan for the future. Not like you have to figure out what you want to do with your life kind of planning. Just start a 401k, start a savings. You know, I, I just really encourage you to think further into the future. My motto for myself is I live each day. Like I might not be here tomorrow, but I plan for the future. Like I might live to a hundred. Absolutely. And when you look back, you know, if if today was your final day, are you proud of what you did yesterday? Right. Mm -hmm. And, And I do. I, I'm, blessed that I know that I live a fulfilled day every day. And I do, I strive for that because that's what fills my cup. Yes. And you know, it's different for everybody, but I just really encourage you just try to try to think forward to the future, envision what it might look like. And you, you can make it happen. I firmly believe that. Absolutely. You're always an inspiration to me. I, you know, we've gotten to know each other a little bit, you know, over the last year and you're just always inspiring me and fire me up. So Diana, thanks for being here in the Breakthrough Zone today. Everybody, we're going to be back here next week. We've got a special guest, uh, guest number three in our September Women's Leadership Series. You're going to want to hear that interview. This one will drop on Friday. So until next week, everybody take care. Go out there and make a difference. Bye for now. We hope you've enjoyed today's show. To learn more about John, visit johnpageburton.com. See you next time in the Breakthrough Zone. This podcast is a Live the Dream Media production.